Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Diagnosis and Treatment of Parkinson's Disease. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on June 28, 2017. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated and coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, Arita McCoy, a nurse practitioner at the Johns Hopkins Parkinson's Disease and Movement Disorder Center, discusses patient and family support in Parkinson's disease. I'm going to uh, briefly talk about how we can, you know, best manage and support um, our patients and families with with this disease. And really, those needs end up um, evolving as time progresses with Parkinson's. So uh, early in the disease, we're, we're wanting to make sure that individuals have good education on what Parkinson's is, how to best manage it, so that they can educate themselves and also their families and also uh, co-workers or other loved ones about the disease. Um, we want to start controlling their symptoms, and we, we really don't need to do aggressive treatment, but mainly mild symptom control, as Dr. Rosenthal went over in the beginning of the talk. Um, but we're also discussing being proactive and developing ways to kind of manage Parkinson's early. So that's when we're talking about exercise, nutrition, um, staying socially engaged, and also developing the healthcare team, which we'll talk a little bit about. Um, during the mid-stage of Parkinson's, we're doing more with symptom control, um, focusing more on specific problems and maybe a, a little bit more aggressive treatment at that time. We're also using uh, specialty care, um, develop, just depending on other problems that patients might have, we may need to send them out for other referrals, which we'll discuss briefly. Um, and then in advanced stages of Parkinson's, we're dealing with more cognitive problems and managing those, um, and also maybe more assistance with activities of daily living and other things that come up as the disease progresses. Um, so one of the, the things that we um, are pretty big advocates of is uh, is education. And so um, support groups have been a very strong part of managing Parkinson's disease and developing community uh, around the disease. It's an extension of the doctor's office visit where you're learning more about your disease and specific problems that can come up. Um, so they're often you know, present in certain cities or counties or, or maybe even regions, depending on the area. Um, these, again, usually um, span over a multitude of different topics that uh, patients or families may have specific questions about. Um, and it really does allow them to become their own self-advocates and uh, also in their own local network to you know, find these community resources that might be very helpful for them. Um, the next slide uh, shows just an example of support groups. Uh, we're obviously um, at Johns Hopkins in, in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, but this kind of shows a little bit about how that network expands beyond our uh, our clinic. 
so in 14 counties um, of, of the state, we have about 29 support groups. And there are three counties where you'll see those purple stars. Um, and there are groups that, that we help to manage and coordinate within our center. Um, but then the red stars are um, groups that are run by local community leaders and, and natural uh, leaders in general. So that shows you how it's really something that people do appreciate and, and really take it upon themselves to continue these groups and, and let them run. So we try to be a liaison for them, but it's a very important part of extending care beyond the doctor's office. We talked a little bit about therapies in the beginning, um, but physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy are a big part of the support network when we're talking about managing PD. Um, so with physical therapy, there are some specialty trainings that are available for therapists, and those are the groups that we tend to refer to the most. Um, there is the, the Lee Silverman uh, voice technique that extended uh, not only with speech therapy, but also with physical and occupational therapy. And the big program is something that physical therapists can become certified in. They're specializing in um, balance disorders, gait problems, allowing patients to, you know, retrain themselves on how their natural body instincts change as Parkinson's progresses and forcing that movement in other ways. Um, PWR, Parkinson's Wellness Recovery, is also a specialty PT program. You can find these therapists through um, their online systems and search for ones that are in patients' areas. Um, and then balancing great gait training, again, is something that can be specialty focused on by a center or a specific physical therapist. Um, occupational therapists are excellent because they also can be, um, they can specialize in the big program, but they can also help with activities of daily living and other issues and problems that can come up as Parkinson's uh, progresses. Uh, OTs are also great at doing home assessments, so they can recommend home modifications for patients if they need grab bars or, you know, assistance with their shoes or buttoning buttons, fine motor tests that become difficult in Parkinson's. Um, they're, they're great at talking patients through those and also assistive devices in, in other ways um, that they can help with walkers or canes or other um, modifiers. Speech therapy, as Dr. Rosenthal talked about, um, you know, low voice can be a problem in Parkinson's. But we also see other issues with speech um, very commonly. And so we're pulling in the LSVT team again for the loud training, but also swallow evaluations and other cognitive trainings can be very um, helpful for patients with Parkinson's when we're talking about uh, the disease progressing. Um, we also have community exercise programs. Dr. Uh, Rosenthal and Pontone both talked about the importance of exercise, but there are some special Parkinson's-specific uh, programs like Rock Steady Boxing, which has gotten a lot of press recently, also dance for Parkinson's disease. Um, and then there are also some exercise courses that have been developed by special trainers who have taken time to get training in PWR or other uh, modalities, and they uh, specifically may focus on balance or on stiffness, um, things like yoga, 
Tai Chi and other modalities can be very helpful in uh, honing on different parts of the disease and strengthening those areas for patients. There's a ton of these kinds of classes. There's uh, cycling for Parkinson's. There's many other things that patients do. We tell them to do what they are going to continue doing over a very long period of time. So think, finding things that they enjoy and then keeping up with them is very important. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the network that we, um, you know, mainly want patients to develop early in the disease so that they can really have a comprehensive care team that can help them throughout their Parkinson's. And, you know, the first person that's very important in that uh, plan is the neurologist. So uh, oftentimes people are diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Um, it could be with a neurologist, but it could also be with a primary care doctor. And so we want to make sure that patients understand it's very important to seek uh, neurology care. Um, this would be the primary person for treating Parkinson's disease, but could also refer out for other specialty care. So PT, OT, SLP, like we talked about, psychiatry care, um, urology for those non-motor issues that may come up, um, gastrointestinal uh, specialty care, and also sleep, as sleep is uh, a problem in Parkinson's disease as well. So the neurologist can often refer out to deal with those specific problems as, they, uh, as we need to. Um, the neurologist should also know about medication changes. We talked a little bit about medication interactions, but that's an important part of this puzzle as well. Um, movement disorder specialists are actually neurologists who have gotten specialty training in movement disorders, the most common being Parkinson's disease. And so it's very important that if patients are questioning their diagnosis or aren't sure whether or not they're receiving the best care, that they can consult with a movement disorder specialist. Um, this could be their primary neurologist or it could be someone that they consult with once a year if they're not living near a movement disorder specialist, but it's an important part of the puzzle that patients should consider um, as they're being diagnosed with PD. The most important thing is that they feel that the neurologist is, you know, competent, accessible, and that the communication is good between the patient and, and their neurologist. So they're making sure that their disease is managed the best it can be over time. Um, it's also important to know that it's okay to get second opinions to make sure that, you know, the disease is being managed the best, um, but a comprehensive care team is a very important part of managing this disease over time. Um, the primary care physician is also a very important part of family support. Um, you know, primary care is, is very important to be uh, the hub of all medical issues or problems, not just Parkinson's disease, but all the other things that can come a, a part of, as a part of the aging process. Um, this person should be the main primary um, tie to all the specialty care uh, folks that Parkinson's patients are interacting with on a regular basis. Um, so we often request that patients send all of their records to their primary care doctor, and that's kind of the hub of everything. Um, geriatric uh, internists are, are great in Parkinson's disease because they end up um, also being able to uh, specialize in comorbidities and also dealing with those medication interactions that can come from polypharmacy and other issues that we know arise in the aging population. Uh, again, we want this to be a trustworthy relationship. We want that uh, primary care doctor, again, to be accessible uh, and local and someone that they're comfortable with. As, you know, there are some acute issues that can pop up in Parkinson's. We want to make sure that patients can get worked up for those right away. 
Um, another important point that I wanted to discuss briefly was about hospitalization in Parkinson's disease. Um, this is an important concept, mainly because we find that when um, our, our patients are hospitalized, they end up having a lot of other issues and problems uh, that come up during their hospital stay that they may not have had when they went into the hospital. Um, most often, patients are presenting in the emergency room or going to hospital uh, overnight for many reasons, but mostly infection um, that can be urinary tract or other uh, as the most common. Um, cognitive changes, Dr. Pontone talked about delirium and hallucinations that often sends people to the ER um, right away. Also falls and injuries um, can be a part of hospitalization needs and also scheduled procedures or surgeries. Um, but we find that people with Parkinson's are hospitalized about 50% more than their peers. So this is a very important part of the process that we need to be educating patients about. Um, worsening of disease happens because medications can be given off schedule. As we know, there's an hour before, an hour after window for medication timing. This is a problem when we talk about the very rigid, complicated medication schedules that can come in Parkinson's disease. Dr. Rosenthal talked about contraindicated drugs. We see that usually in the acute hospital setting, that's where a lot of those drugs end up being administered. Um, and then also the therapies that we know patients need, like physical therapy, speech therapy, they end up being delayed or they may not be as effective if the medication cycle is, is not done correctly. So I won't go over these next two slides in detail, but just wanted everyone to be aware that the uh, National Parkinson Foundation has developed an Aware and Care Kit, um, and that is an excellent um, way that everything is all consolidated into one bag for patients when they are hospitalized. Um, this is important because we've got a list of all the medications that patients with Parkinson's should avoid during hospital stays, but then also gives um, you know, guidelines for safe medications that can be given for this, those same indications. Um, if you flip to the next slide, you'll see what that sheet looks like. And that is the second uh, photo down on the page. On the back of that, there are the contraindicated medications and then also the safe ones to give for people who have Parkinson's disease. There's also a bracelet that folks can wear. They can put their medication inside the kit. These kits are available on Parkinson.org, and anyone can order them and have them available. Um, um, one of the things that we also talk about when talking about, you know, having, you know, care is that we want to make sure we're taking care of the caregiver. Um, you know, part of this is is making sure that when additional help is needed outside of the home, we're able to talk with the caregiver about those additional needs and really make sure that we're guiding them appropriately. Uh, one of the things that we often do is, um, you know, have caregivers fill out a strain index, which is available online, but it goes over different parts of caring and being a caregiver, and that questionnaire can um, highlight many of the issues that we want to avoid when caring is, is too stressful or strainful. Um, we also know that if there are safety issues, we might need to pull in additional help. So we're talking about there are more falls, if there's more problems with mobility, walking, eating, doing those activities of daily living, or if there are balance problems. Uh, we also know we may need to pull in additional help if there are cognitive problems, like if um, memory issues are causing medication neglect or there are uh, hallucinations or delusions that are causing behavioral trouble. 
So when that additional help is needed, uh, we know that we need to pull in the care team. So more than caregivers, we're also talking about family and the friend network um, supporting your neighborhood or in your faith community. Um, moving is something that we often have to talk about with um, patients and their families. If there are, you know, any safety issues with steps or tight spaces, which tend to be difficult for Parkinson's mobility. Um, it's a difficult decision for both parties, but continuing care retirement communities are great options uh, where you can benefit a lot from those things that are great for aging, um, but then can also benefit from the transition of care if that's needed. Um, we often tell patients and families it's not a failure of either the patient or the caregiver that they're not able to stay in their homes. It's more so um, a realization that there are other medical issues beyond, you know, what the, the family or the care partner can provide. Um, their caregiver role doesn't change, and it, it just it stays the same, but the level of care and the type of care just changes as the disease progresses. Um, the caregiving role becomes more of an advocate role or overseer of care to make sure that there are appropriate things um, that, that are happening and, and can be honed in on as the disease progresses.